Hey guys, I want to wish you a happy and a healthy a July 4th weekend. I hope you're able in some way to gather with family and friends and celebrate this special weekend. Now today we're going to continue our series that I believe will help you become who God sees in you. Becoming who God sees in you is all about gaining the vision to see yourself the way God sees you. It's all about rising up to become fully who you are so you can do fully what God created you to do by living your purpose. You exist for a reason. God has created you with a unique personality, passion, unique talents, unique gifts so that you can make this world a better place. You do matter. You can make a difference. And you were created for such a time as this, especially for such a time as this. With, with so many uh, issues going on in our world, it's important for you to rise up and become who God created you to be. You see, God has placed you in, in a setting with, uh, where you work, where you live, and with certain people whom uh, you can represent uh, God through your gifts and your talents and, and through love and through grace, representing him on the earth. And it's, that's why it's so important for you to become who God sees in you because only you can be you and only you can do what God created you to do. Now, we're uh, going on this journey to become who God sees in us by uh, exploring and unpacking uh, one of Jesus' key disciples' journey and how Jesus guided him to become fully who God saw in him. Now, if you remember last week, Jesus gave his, his, this disciple named Simon a certain nickname. Jesus could see something in Simon. He could see what God could see in Simon. And so Jesus gave Simon the nickname Peter, which in Greek literally means rock. You see, God could see in Simon a rock. He could see his strength. He could see his endurance. He could see his perseverance. He could see his courage. And so Jesus gives him this name that becomes a metaphor or a picture for who God can see in him. And, it, and through that picture, it's like he's casting vision for us to see ourselves the way God sees us. But as we, as we noted last week, even though Jesus gives Simon this cool nickname, Rock, for the three years that they travel together, uh, doing the uh, ministry together, Jesus never calls him by that nickname, Peter. He always calls him all throughout the four gospel accounts that tell the story of Jesus' life and ministry. He continues to call him by his proper name, Simon. And I ask the question, why is that? Isn't that interesting? And what I believe is that Simon was not a rock yet. Jesus doesn't call Simon by the name Peter until after his resurrection. You see, there were certain experiences that Simon needed to go through and he had to face certain inner issues so he could fully become who God could see in him. And I want you to know that God sees something unique in you too. God sees a rock in you. No matter what other people may have said to you about you, God sees in you a rock. He sees your inner strength he sees your inner uh, passions and gifts and abilities. And yet, like Simon, 
for you to become fully who God sees in you, you must face those inner issues that could keep you from becoming who God sees in you. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to look at some of these inner issues that Simon had to face to become the rock that God could see in him so that we can all begin the journey of becoming who God can see in us. And today, I want us to face this, this key inner issue. Today, I want us to face our inner fears. Now, fear is a natural and powerful emotion, and it is triggered by the threat of danger, evil, or pain. Now, there's a part of fear that's instinctive. You just sense it, and then there's a part of fear that we can learn. We can learn from our, our family, uh, from parents. We can learn from our spouse. We can learn from friends, people we hang around with. And what's interesting is when you feel fear, I mean, God wired you to feel fear to protect you. When you feel fear, your body releases adrenaline and cortisol into your bloodstream, which causes your heartbeat to, uh, to increase rapidly, and it causes your senses to be heightened. And in fact, some people, when they experience a, an extreme form of fear, a fear they, they feel what we call panic attacks. They're, they get to where they're, they're breathing heavily and their heart's just pumping and racing and pumping. And sometimes, sometimes those, those feelings of fear can linger well beyond the event that actually caused the fear. And sometimes we can feel fear in an ongoing way, even though there's no specific event causing us to feel a sense of danger or pain. Now, and, and in that case, that's when you, you need to face those fears and overcome them. Otherwise, you will not be able to live your purpose. Now, sometimes, let's just acknowledge that certain fears can be rather harmless, you know, even if you revolve your whole life around them. Now, you may not know about this, but before he became the name and the face of one of the uh, best-selling video games of all times, Madden's NFL football, you know, the video game, well... Madden, John Madden, was the head football coach of the Oakland Raiders. He was a professional football player, became their coach. They won many playoffs. They won a Super Bowl in 1977, where he became the youngest head coach to ever win a Super Bowl. Uh, and uh, what's interesting about uh, Coach Madden is uh, when he retired, he also for decades was a sports announcer for the NFL games. During his coaching career, he's per he was particularly known as a coach who, who taught toughness from his players and a fearlessness. Uh, and he was even an intimidating figure. But what, what some people don't know is that he revolved his entire life around a certain fear he had. You see, Coach Madden was afraid to fly. And so throughout his whole career, think about it, of playing professional football and then coaching professional football and then for decades being a sports analyst and commentator, he had to travel across the country and he never would get on an airplane. He either took a, a train or he took an RV bus everywhere he went. And I'm sure he had friends who tried to explain to him the engineering behind airplanes and, and why it was safe to fly, fly in an airplane. I'm sure that, that Coach Madden had friends who explained to him the logic that, you know, you, you have a way higher chance of being killed in a car accident than, than you do in an airplane accident. But of course, none of those arguments worked on Coach Madden. He refused to fly. And so fear, get this, fear paralyzed a certain part of his life. 
Now, as I said, sometimes fears can be rather, rather harmless. Fear of flying, uh, fear of heights, fear of spiders and snakes and stuff. But sometimes fears can be overwhelming and they can weigh us down and paralyze us in life. Are fears oppressing you? Are they overwhelming you? Are they weighing you down? Are your fears harming your relationships? Are your fears harming your mental and emotional and maybe even your physical health? Are your fears paralyzing you and keeping you from moving forward in life? Maybe during this pandemic that we're all facing, maybe it stirred some fears in your heart about illness or even death. Or maybe because of the economic fallout of the pandemic, it stirred fears in your heart about your job, maybe losing your job, or, or maybe about your finances. Maybe you feel weighed down by other fears. Maybe you have this looming sense of a fear of failure, or a fear of rejection, or a fear of conflict, or even a fear of loneliness. Whatever fears you are facing, Jesus wants to guide you along the way to a place in your spiritual journey where you can face and overcome your fears. And what Jesus wants to do, what he wants to work inside of each of us is what he's going to call a courageous faith. Do you think that you can live with a courageous faith? Well, I want us to look at, at an incident where Jesus got the opportunity to surface uh, the inner issues, that uh, some, of, some of them that were stirring fears within Simon and the disciples. And so he was seeking to help them face their fears so they could live with courageous faith. Now, this was early in their relationship, early in their three years of traveling together, doing ministry together. Uh, and he was uh, traveling with his 12 core disciples. And on a certain incident, uh, they were going to go from one side of a large lake to the other side of the lake and they got into a boat. And this is, this is what happened that stirred their fears. This is Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. Then Jesus got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was asleep. Isn't that cool? <laughs> the disciples went and they woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it became completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now, I want to make several observations about this situation, this uh, circumstance. First, uh, the text tells us that the storm came upon them suddenly. So the disciples didn't really get a chance to get themselves ready for it. You know, sometimes when you can see a storm coming, you can get yourself ready, maybe even emotionally ready for it. But this one came upon them suddenly. And uh, the text tells us that it was a furious storm. So it wasn't just a normal storm. So picture very powerful winds and very uh, big and powerful waves. I mean, I think this is a kind of situation where their fears were understandable. And, and I want us to notice that Jesus, and I think you get this from this passage, Jesus never promises us that if we follow him, we will never face furious storms in life. Jesus never promises us that if we follow him, 
We will experience pain-free, problem-free living. Instead, Jesus takes us on a journey that in many ways and in many times along the way, we will have to face our inner fears. And sometimes what causes us to feel fears are our own expectations. You see, if we expect that Jesus is not going to, if we follow Jesus, that he's not going to let us face storms, that he's not going to let us face problems in life, that expectation itself can set us up for a feeling even stronger fears because it's not even realistic. The second observation I want to make, it comes from what the disciples say to Jesus when they wake him up. They cry out, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Now, why would they ask Jesus to save them? I mean, some of you know Jesus' background. Uh, he's not a fisherman by trade. He's a carpenter by trade. And there were four professional fishermen on the boat. They would have known far better how to navigate a boat through a furious storm. I think the fact that they turn to Jesus in this storm reveals their growing understanding of who Jesus is. So think about it. By this point in their ministry, they've already seen Jesus heal many people. So they know he can do something miraculous uh, with human bodies. And they've already seen Jesus turn water into wine, which that's just the coolest miracle ever. But they've never seen, to this point that we know of, they've never seen Jesus exercise authority over nature. And it appears they were afraid that maybe he could not do that. And so you can see the disciples, they're, they're just on a journey. They've not arrived yet. And what's so cool about Jesus is that he gives them the space and the time to grow in their faith. And he's okay with that. He didn't go and pick uh, 12 guys who already had courageous faith and already were strong in their faith. He picked some guys who needed to grow in their faith. And that frankly makes me feel pretty good about myself, my own journey. I think it ought to make you feel good too. Following Jesus is a journey and he will give you the time and space to grow in your faith. But the third observation I want to make from this passage is what Jesus identified as a root issue that was feeding their fears. And what Jesus called this root issue, he called it little faith. Now that, that term little faith is only used in the four gospel accounts that tell the story of Jesus' life and ministry. And it's only spoken to followers of Jesus. So it's to be distinguished from the term unbelief because unbelief is what an unbeliever has. To have little faith, you have to have faith. And so what Jesus is describing here, it's a kind of faith that only followers of Jesus who have faith can have. It's a little faith. So what makes their faith little? Did you notice their response to this powerful miracle where Jesus exercises his authority over nature? They were amazed by it. They were surprised by it. In other words, they were not expecting it. They had limited expectations about Jesus' authority, in this case, over nature. And because they had limited ex expectations, those limited expectations, follow with me, stirred fears within their hearts. Do you have limited expectations of God and his son Jesus 
that are stirring fears within your heart. Maybe limited expectations about some health issue you're facing. Maybe limited expectations about some relational issue you're facing. Maybe limited expectations about your financial uh, situation. People with little faith have limited expectations that stir fears within them. Okay, so now I want us to look at another incident that occurs within a few days of this one where Jesus sees and identifies a different kind of faith, a different kind of faith from little faith. Jesus sees in another person what he calls great faith. So let me set up the scene. Uh, There was a certain Roman centurion who lived about a day's walk from the town where Jesus was at this time. And the centurion had a beloved servant who was deathly ill. He was paralyzed and suffering in great pain. And so he goes to Jesus to ask Jesus to heal his servant. Notice what happens. This is Matthew chapter 8, verse 7. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come to my house. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes. And to that one come and he comes. I say to my servant do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such, and notice what he says, with such great faith. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. What a powerful, powerful miracle. And this miracle occurred in response to the centurion's great faith. The centurion had great faith. Well, what made his faith great? He believed in and acted upon the great authority that he believed Jesus had. And in Jesus' day, and this is what's important for you to know, in Jesus' day, people did not believe that a miracle could happen at a distance from from the miracle worker. They believed that the miracle worker had to be present, maybe even had to touch the person who was sick. And so what the centurion believed about Jesus was not common with anybody else who had the ability to perform miracles. And what's interesting, if you compare now these two situations, these two scenes we've looked at, Jesus' disciples are surprised by his authority. This centurion surprises Jesus with what he believes about Jesus' authority. You see, he had great expectations. And great expectations stirred faith in his heart. People with great faith have great, believe that Jesus has great authority. And so they have great expectation. And I think Jesus points out this kind of faith in the centurion because not only does he want his disciples to develop this kind of great faith, Through them, he wants all of us to develop this kind of great faith. Because with this kind of great faith, and this is what I want you to catch. With this kind of great faith, it gives us the inner courage that we all need to face and overcome our fears. Okay, so I want us to look at one more scene 
uh, from Jesus' uh, ministry and his, uh, his guiding of his disciples, including Peter, to help them develop this kind of uh, courageous faith. So in this case, they're at that same lake again. And Jesus get, has his disciples get into a boat and go to the other side of the lake. Jesus goes up on a mountain and he spends the night in prayer. Well, early, early in the morning, Jesus has, has prayed and he probably rested. And he's coming to them. And notice what happens. This is Matthew 14, verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out uh, to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. And I think I get that, right? It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And I, so he makes three statements. And I think it's significant, the order of those statements. Jesus doesn't begin by saying, don't be afraid. He begins by saying, take courage. Now follow with me. You only need courage when you're facing a fearful situation. I'm going to say that again. I think it's so significant. You only need courage when you're facing a fearful situation. If you're facing a normal situation, you don't need courage. But when you're facing a fearful one, that's when you need courage. And according to Jesus, courage is an inner strength that you can take. It's a choice that you make to rise up and to act courageously even in the face of a fearful situation. And then Jesus tells us why we should do that. And he tells us how we can do that. He says, take courage, it is I. And this is what he's saying. When I'm with you, you can take courage. You can rise up and act courageously because I am with you. When the man who can calm a storm with a word is with you through his spirit, when you know and believe he is with you, you can take courage. You can rise up and act courageously even in the face of a fearful situation. Are you the kind of person who can do that? To rise up and act with faith. Well, the story continues, and this is where it gets very specific towards Simon Peter. This is verse 28. So, remember what's just happened? Jesus is walking on the water. They're afraid. Jesus says, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. This is what happens after that. Simon Peter replied, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come out to you on the water. Jesus said, well, come. Then Simon Peter got down out of the boat and walked on water coming toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he became afraid and began to sink. So he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Jesus said, notice again, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the winds died down. Now, I think it's important to notice that Jesus doesn't initiate this test of faith. Peter does. Peter says, hey, Jesus, if that is you, let me walk on water too. And, and I think you can get a glimpse of the rock in Peter. I mean, think about it. He's the only one who walked on water. 
He's the only one who had the faith to take a step out of that boat and walk on water. And it shows that, that Simon Peter's faith, it is developing. It is growing. And so he gets out and he walks on water. That's a pretty courageous thing. But when his focus is on Jesus, he's doing fine. But when his focus turns to the wind and the waves, that's when he begins to sink. And I think what's going on here in this situation, I think Jesus is allowing Simon Peter to see the limitations of his faith. Because where your, your faith has limitations, that's when doubts begin to rise up. And when you begin to have doubts, that's when you feel like you're drowning in the storm. When fearful circumstances uh, create a storm in our lives, they can, they can make us uh, feel that fear. In fearful situations, follow with me, fearful situations can expose the limitations of our faith and it can stir doubts within us. Jesus does not promise to protect us from fearful situations. He does not promise to protect us from furious storms. What he does promise is to be with us. And when he's with us, when we believe he is with us through his spirit, we can take courage. We can rise up and act courageously even in the face of fearful situations. So what fears are you facing today? I want to get very specific and practical now. What fears, what fears are you waking up at night worrying about? Maybe for you it is issues related to the coronavirus, but maybe for you, for you that's not your biggest fear. It's not your, the biggest issue. You're concerned about other health issues that you already have. Maybe for some of you the biggest fear that you're facing is not the economic recession. It's the actions being taken by a, a child of yours that is just making uh, you know, problematic and destructive, self-destructive decisions over and over and over again. Maybe some of you, what's causing you fear is a rocky marriage. Or maybe you're even, even trying to figure out how to deal with an unfaithful spouse. Or maybe you're, you're trying to deal with a dishonest boss. Or maybe what's causing fear within you uh, is the racial injustice that has surfaced within our country. Whatever is causing you fear, if you will follow Jesus, he will take you on a journey to face your fears, that's, that's really the first step is to be able to face them and name them and acknowledge them. And he will lead you to grow more and more in your faith so you can rise up and act courageously even in the faith, face of fearful situations. And I know that there's some of you who might be saying, you know, Pastor Brent, this is great. I mean, it would be great to have a courageous, great faith. I'm just not there yet. I can't see it. I'm not there yet. And so let me encourage you. It's okay. It's a journey. I'm not there yet either. Not in every area of my life. And what's so cool about what we learn about Jesus' relationship with his 12 core disciples is they weren't there yet either. Jesus did not go out and handpick 12 disciples who already had great faith and courageous faith. He called 12 normal men young men who weren't there yet. And he guided them along the way. And as they walked with Jesus, and as they experienced some storms with Jesus, and they got through the other side, their faith grew 
and grew and grew to the point where they did develop courageous and great faith. And you know what they did? They changed our world. In the face of persecution, in the face of opposition, they changed our world because they were dedicated to the journey of following Jesus. He got them there and he will get you there too. A part of rising up and becoming who God sees in you is facing your fears. It's about gaining the confidence in your relationship with Jesus that you firmly believe he is with you. And you know that if he is with you, you can either ride out the storm or he may speak a word and calm that storm. And so I want you to think about whatever is causing you fear during these days. And I want you to picture Jesus. Picture Jesus walking on the water and saying to you in that storm, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. You can overcome your fears. Let's pray together. Father, my prayer for all who are listening to me, it's my prayer for myself, is that you would help us to face and overcome our fears. And I want you to think for just a moment, what is causing you fear? What is causing you to feel fear right now? Can you name it? Would you just whisper it out loud right now, wherever you are? Admit it. That's a part of facing your fear. And now... I want to speak to you the words of Jesus in the midst of that fear and that the feelings that come with it in the midst of that fearful situation. I'm asking you to take courage. It is Jesus. He is with you. You don't have to be afraid. And so father, I pray that you would help us rise up and to respond courageously in the face of our fears. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.